Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, I'm always uh, I'm always humbled to to bring a message from God to you. I love how this organ keeps playing. Have you ever noticed that? After no, it's good. It's always funny to see Linda like freak out a little bit over here. Um, so when Clyde told me I was preaching this month, um, God kind of put a four-part series uh, on my heart, and we're going to look at four instances in the Bible where God says, calls somebody's name, and they respond with three words, here I am. And what we're going to be doing is kind of figuring out how do we hear from God and how do we obey God's voice? Because if, if we're honest, a lot of us, some of us don't struggle with hearing God's voice, but if we're honest, a lot of us, it's kind of a tricky deal. It's kind of hard to understand. It could be confusing. So this month, we want to try to unpack that and make it a little less tricky for us this month. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, jump into it this morning. Jesus, thank you for, God, I pray that we don't take this for granted. I pray that we don't take your scriptures for granted, your truths, this time. God, I pray that the spirit would be so clear to all of us that Jesus would be magnified. God, that we would walk away trusting you more, knowing that you're going to provide for us time and time again. We love you. Use this time. It's in your name. Amen. How many of you guys like tests? All five of you? Six? There was no adults that raised their hand. It was all it's all kids. Jace, I see your hand. Good job. Um, I always prided myself in being a good test taker. I never had problems taking tests growing up. Me and my brother, my brother and I would race to see who could test turn their tests in the fastest. Um, John has like the world record for uh, turning in his test, but I never had a problem with it through high school, through through college. But about a year and a half ago, I met my maker. The youth, the youth. Some of you guys know this story. I was studying to get my commercial driver's license so I could drive the good old church bus out there, and. I remember going to the DPS, and I told you guys this summer how much I loved that place. And um, I go in there, and I'm like, how hard could it be, right? So I get to the desk. They said, all right, you have to pass three written tests on the computer. I'm like, okay, I'm a great test taker. Trial and error. You know, I could, I could guess 50-50 on most of these. As I'm in the, in the middle of the first test, about halfway through, it says a pop-up came on the screen. It says, you have failed the test. Didn't even let me finish. So I'm like, okay, well, at least I have two other tests. I go to the desk. She said, you have to go home and come back. you got to pass this test first. I'm like, okay. wasn't real thrilled. I had to drive all the way to Bryan. Come back the next week. I passed the first test, and I failed the second test. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. I head home. Come back the third time. Pass the first test. Pass the second test. Failed the third test. I'm like, this is a little ridiculous right now. And finally, go back another time, pass all the tests. I'm like, 
they gave me this little piece of paper with my picture on it. I felt like a big shot. I'm like, okay, the driving part, that's going to be the easy part, right? So the next few weeks later, me and Faber, we had to Livingston, Texas to take this test. It was the earliest I could get it in. And I remember we're, we're sitting there, and the lady that's administering the test says, all right, now go ahead and do your pre-trip inspection of the bus. And in my head, I'm like, pre-what? I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. So I just walk around the bus, I pull the hood up, try to name as much of the bus as I know. And I get in the bus, and the lady says, unfortunately, you didn't pass the pre-trip, so you can't go to the driving portion. And I said, well, what did I miss? And she said, we're not allowed to tell you. And I'm like, this is great. So about a week or two later, me and, um, me and Harold head to Hearn, Texas. And we get there, and we didn't have the right paperwork. So no commercial driver license test that day. Third time, we have to head to Waco this time. We're in Waco, and we renewed the registration on our bus, but the starting date of the registration was in the future, so they wouldn't let us take the test again. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding. Somebody does not want me to get this, this uh, test. Fourth time, head back to Hearn with Trey. And we get there, and we get all the paperwork squared away, and I'm doing, they're like, okay, do the pre-trip. I'm feeling, you know, I'm sort of confident. And I get through it, and the guy says, you failed the pre-trip inspection. And I was, Trey knows, I was about ready to give up. I was like, this is ridiculous. I've never failed at something more in my life than the CDL test. Finally, I said, okay, I know little to nothing about this bus that I'm trying to give a pre-trip inspection on. So I had to call in the big guns. I had to call in Dennis Underwood, who was a bus driver for 30 years. I said, hey, I need you to teach me every part of this bus. And we did. We spent a few hours and headed up to Waco for the fifth attempt. And finally, I passed the CDL. Okay? You can give me a hand for that, right? So guys, our world is filled with tests. Um, if you think about football, every Friday night is a test to prove the quality of your team. You think of work, there's tests all the time. In your marriage, there's ebbs and flows of life that we're tested in. In class, you guys love tests, don't you? No. But the tests prove if you know the information, right? So think about this. If life had no tests, what would be the benchmark for knowing who we are? mediocrity would rule the day. If there was no tests in life, nobody would pay attention in class. Nobody would, would try. But tests prove the quality of something. So guys, when God puts us through tests, it's not to just trick us up and to be mean and to, and to say, hey, I'm out to get you. God is putting us through the tests of life to prove the quality of our faith. And today we're going to look at this guy named Abraham, and the title of the sermon is called Our Test of Faith. We're going to see how Abraham was tested by God. So I want us to stand today as we honor God's word. We're going to be in Genesis 22.
read along with me on the screen. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. May God bless the reading of his word. So here's the backstory on this guy named Abraham. We've talked about in the Gospel Project, we're learning this month that God created this world really good, and sin came into the world and messed it up. It, it, it affected all of humanity. It got so bad at one point that God had to reboot the entire world. He had to flood the earth and save this one family. And eventually, humanity didn't get the message, and sin continued to spread. And God went and picked this guy named Abram, and he said, hey, I want you to go to this land. I'm going to make an amazing, huge family out of you, and my rescuer for the world is going to come through your family. And, and the only problem was, guys, is Abraham and Sarah had no kids. How are you supposed to have a big, huge family when you can't have kids when you're old? Past the age of childbearing. Sarah. Well, eventually God, after years and years and years of waiting, makes due on his promise and gives Abraham this son, Isaac. And guys, I'm just imagining how awesome that relationship was between Abraham and Isaac. You've waited for a son for so long, and you have him. I've, I have a son, Judah, and I just imagine just the bond that was there. And that's where we're going to pick up. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, i Included a little outline in here that you can follow along, but it'll also be up on the screen. So what is God showing us about tests? And the first point is this. We must be ready for the test no matter what it is. We must be ready for the test no matter what it is. If you look in verse 1, it says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. He answered. So guys, we see God's heart right from the start. This encounter with Abraham is a part of a test. And God's tests are one of his primary ways of communicating with us. And the cool thing that Abraham says is he says, here I am. He was available and ready to hear what God had to say. Before this time, God was saying all these really good things to Abraham. You're going to have a son. Your, your, your family's going to be awesome. You're going to be a blessing to the world. And he was about to receive something that was not going to be that easy. But, but as I was preparing for this, I thought, how often do we not take the posture that Abraham had? How often do we go through our days not even acknowledging that God could be wanting to speak to us? Where we say, here I am. The barriers are down. God, you can say whatever you want to say to me. But often we just we cruise through life. We're just going to do our thing, check the box. And, but I want us to see, how do we actually hear from God today? Here's what he tells him in verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, 
whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. That doesn't sound like a really good message from God, does it? What a hard task. Take your son. On top of that, God reminds him, your only son. And on top of that, the son whom you love, who's the heir to your promise. And I want you to go to this land of of Moriah and sacrifice him. Can you imagine hearing that from God, from one of your kids, about one of your kids? I think we would run as far away from God if we heard that, if we're honest. But Abraham continues to trust God. See, the, the second thing that we learned about tests today is obedience in the midst of the test proves the quality of our faith. Obedience in the midst of the test proves the quality of our faith. In verse 3, it says, So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. Do you think Abraham got much sleep that night? He gets up early. He heads out. It says he doesn't consult Sarah. Because if mama heard about this plan, this plan ain't happening, right? Imagine splitting the wood that you're going to use to sacrifice your only child on. The journey was going to be 50 miles long. That's a lot of time to think. This test was designed to prove his faith, guys. For for God to put us through tests, the tests have to defy logic. It means that we might have to part with something. If it's going to be a real test, like it's something that we can't humanly understand sometimes. But obedience proves the genuineness of our trust in God. Obedience is the real proof. If we're constantly disobedient to the voice of God, we have to we have to look inward. What's the genuineness of our faith? It says in James, James talks about this. In James 2, 18 through 24, it says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working together with works, and works faith made perfect. So guys, obedience is just as important as having that relationship with God in the first place. We can't just say, I have this relationship with God, and we're constantly disobedient to him. James is saying we have to check the genuineness of our faith. He's saying that the demons believe, but they don't obey. They know about Jesus. They hear God's voice, but they don't obey. Many think we can experience God without obedience. If I just pray this prayer, if I just walk this aisle sometime in my life, Clyde says this every week, getting baptized, that doesn't mean we have true, genuine faith. Something has to change inside of us. Maybe there's an area of your life where you you feel disobedient today. You need to trust God in that test that he's put you in. Here's the third point. Past promises help us get through the present tests. Past promises help us get through the present 
tests. So we pick up in our story in verse 6. It says, On the third day Abraham looked up, saw the place in a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will come over there to worship. And catch this. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Guys, this is where Abraham's faith just blows my mind. He says he sees the mountain. More thoughts are probably flowing through his head. That's the mountain that I have to sacrifice my son on. He tells his service servants, hey, Isaac and I are going to go on ahead. We're going to worship. Catch this. He says, we are going to come back to you. He doesn't just say, I'm going to come back to you. That would have, the servants have been like, what's Abraham's deal? What's going to be happening up there? He says, we will come back to you. He had faith that God was going to continue to come through on his promise. And the crazy thing that he even does is he places the wood on his son as they go up the hill. His son has to carry the very thing that he's going to die on. And that's an important, put that in your brain. We're going to come back to that. So here's when Isaac comes into the play in, in verse 7. He says, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them walked on together. So Isaac rightfully interjects. We're going up this mountain to sacrifice. We've done this before. Where is the lamb? And Abraham wisely answers here. What if he told Isaac, you're the lamb? You think Isaac would have been so willing to to continue to climb the mountain? No. Abraham trusted. He said, God will provide. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. Imagine, guys, as Abraham's grabbing stones to construct the altar that his son is about to be laid on. As he places the wood on top of the altar that his son is just about to be sacrificed on. Tears probably flowing through his eyes. Then it says he bound his son Isaac. This was not this peaceful, hey, I'm placing you on the altar now. Abraham might have had to wrestle his son to the ground. And his son's probably crying out, what are you doing, dad? What are you doing to me? Abraham crying, trusting God in the midst of this as he's tying his son up and puts him on the altar. And as soon as he raises the knife above his head, kill his son. Imagine the thoughts, the tears that are flowing down Abraham's face. And as soon as he's about to plunge it into his son, an angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son. This was not a, here I am. He was probably broken. God stepped in. 
God proved faithful to the test. Abraham was willing to part with the most precious thing to him, and God came through. The test of his faith. Obedience to God's voice was more important than his own ideas, his own will, and his own family. Is God's voice more important to that than those things for you guys today? Imagine if God didn't interject. Imagine what Abraham would have to live through. But he did, because God is always going to come through. He has never not come through in the history of this world. Tests always show us where we stand. It says Abraham feared God. He passed the test. Tests have ending points. He trusted in the past promises that God said, I'm going to make you a great nation through your son Isaac. He trusted in that to get him through that test. When I was in eighth grade, uh, I played football, and we played our games on uh, Thursday nights. And Friday was the dreaded Friday because, yeah, practice was a little bit easier, but we always had to end practice by running the mile. Every, t- every Friday, our coach said, all right, let's line up for the mile. And the, and the thing that stunk was we had to improve our time every week. So a lot of people would start off real slow and then each week kind of build on that. But our coaches wouldn't, wouldn't hear any of that. And every Friday, my coach would utter this phrase that drove us crazy. He said, the body can do it, but the mind won't let you. The body can do it, but the mind won't let you. So we would hear that lap after lap after lap of the mile every Friday. We were sick of it. And to make matters worse, he puts it on our team football shirt that year on the back, so everybody's asking us, what does that quote mean? And a lot of us didn't really even know what it meant either. But what it means, guys, is that our body is capable of doing way more than we think. But the mind is always going to slow you down. The mind is always going to combat against you. And I'm like, I'm never going to learn. I mean, I'm never going to use this quote again in my life. Fast forward, senior year of college, about eight years later, I decided to run a marathon. I've shared this story in church before. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. 26.2 miles. It's like here to College Station. It's not real fun. Um, And around mile 18, my body just began to shut down. I got full-on leg cramps. My hamstrings, my quads, my calves all were cramping at the same time. And I'm running, and I can't sprint because my legs lock up, and I can't walk because it hurts. So I'm just doing this, like, this like weird shuffle down, like, for the like, rest of the race. I just felt like an idiot. And there were so many times during that race where my mind would say, just stop. Give up. It's too hard. Walking is going to make you feel better. You were never cut out for this. And I remember for about a mile or two, my brain and my mind were just coming against me. But you know, you know what quote I remembered? The body can do it, but the mind won't let you. And I couldn't get this, my dang eighth grade football coach, out of my head. But that was the very thing that motivated me to keep going. The past promises helped me in the present trial, in the present test. So we have to look at the past promises in our life 
to get us through whatever you're facing today. Look at what the author of Hebrews said about Abraham. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God even able to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back figuratively speaking. So guys, Abraham trusted that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead if he killed him. That's how much he trusted in God's voice and his promises. In Genesis, if you go back to the story, it says, he looked up, he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. Today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Here's the last main point. Faithfulness in the tests leads to more revelation. Faithfulness in the tests leads to more revelation. Here's what Abraham hears after he passes the test. It says, The angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this, not withhold your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, just like he said he would. Got up, went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. So guys, obedience is always going to yield more revelation and blessings from God. And when I talk about blessings, it's not always money. It's not always more stuff. Because here's the cool thing, guys. The blessings that we receive from God when we pass the test is more of him. If you look in this verse, God has already told Abraham all those things, but he added one extra thing. He said, your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. God gave Abraham more of a revelation of what he was going to do in his family because he was obedient to the test. Trials grow us and mold us. They conform us more and more into God's image. But here's the, here's the amazing thing, guys. This story is one of the biggest pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. The area of Moriah that Abraham went to was now modern-day Jerusalem. So Abraham was bringing his son to sacrifice on a mountain outside of Jerusalem. God gave his only son, Jesus, to be sacrificed on the mountain outside of Jerusalem. Isaac was given wood to carry for the sacrifice he'd be laying on. Jesus had to carry his own cross up the hill that he would be sacrificed on. Abraham told Isaac that God would provide a lamb for the sacrifice. Jesus was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The ram was sacrificed in Isaac's place, so Jesus was sacrificed in our place. Because of Abraham's obedience, his line was going to continue to be numerous. Because of Jesus' obedience, we can now become spiritual children of Abraham. You guys see that? Hearing God's voice, guys, starts with knowing him personally. 
In John 10, 27 through 28, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Guys, you can't expect to hear from God if you don't have a relationship with him. I hear from Heather all the time because I'm married to her. If we're not in close proximity with someone, you're not going to hear from them. Jesus says, unless you're in this bounded relationship with me where you've surrendered everything and you're going to follow me, you might not hear from me. You might not hear my voice that often. First step is hearing God's voice and obeying is surrendering your life to the finished work of Jesus. You might be like, okay, Joe, this is all great. Maybe you're in a test today. Maybe you're coming out of a test. Maybe you're like, I'm not in a test. How does this apply to me? Here's what God, here's what God's aim for your life is in the midst of a test today. He says, we all know that things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that they might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So guys, after you're saved by God's amazing and wonderful grace, his job until you reach eternity is to continue to conform you like Lexi did the other week where honestly she made a better uh, cat than Clyde did with his little press but it was the, you know, we got the illustration uh, but we're conformed into Jesus so God's tests are always to continue to conform us into Jesus' life that's the test that you're in. So if you're, maybe you're in a trial today. Maybe your marriage is going through some rough spots. Maybe work's not going how you thought it would go. Maybe you lost your job recently. Maybe God's told you to do something, but you're having a really hard time following through on it. Maybe you feel like God's given up or abandoned you. Maybe you have a friend who's turned on you. Whatever the trial is, know that it's not an uncommon thing. Tony Evans um, famous pastor up in Dallas says this, trials are adverse circumstances that God allows in our lives to identify where we are spiritually and to prepare us for where he wants us to go. We can't escape trials. And this is comforting. Either you're in a trial now, you've just come out of a trial, or you're getting ready to go into a trial. It's like, ah, oh man, that's not great news, right? But like I said, tests are not a bad thing in God's economy. The fact that you're in a test is probably a good thing. Because God's trying to communicate to you. God's trying to speak to you. But how do we practically be obedient in the midst of the test? And I just have four quick points. The first one is this. Cling to prayer during the tests. Cling to prayer during the test. James 1.24 says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. James is saying, consider it joy that you're in a trial or a test. How many of you guys seem super joyful when you go through tests? That doesn't just happen. We have to ask God in prayer for a willing spirit in the midst of the tests. Because our natural inclinations is just to be like, 
This stinks. God's forgotten about me. This is really hard. We need to ask God for a willing, joyful spirit. That's not easy. But Abraham probably was praying to God, like, God, you got to help me here. This is not going to be easy. Second is this, cling to God's voice alone in the tests. Many people are going to give their two cents on why you're being tested or you're in a trial. Only God knows the ultimate reason he's allowing this test in your life. So when you get all this, like, feedback from people, just let it go right over your back. Like, oh, you're... You're in this trial for a reason. Maybe there's some sin in your life. Some suffering comes because of sin, but most of the time God just tests us because he wants to prove the quality of his faith. If you have, if, if you have a friend who's going through a test, the worst thing that you can do is go to them and say, this is why you're in it. Some of you, you've had this happen to you. You're like, oh, there must be some sin in your life, brother. you got to get that right. Oh, this is the reason you're in this trial or in this test. Guys, don't do that. The worst thing you can do is do that. The best thing you can do is encourage and pray, but don't play God for that. Job in the Bible, if you want to read about just a rough life, read the book of Job. This guy was the wealthiest man in the world. And God put him through a test. He got rid of his family. He got rid of his livestock whole livelihood, his wife turned on him, he got boils, and he's just in a low, low, low place, and he has three friends that come to his rescue, and they start saying, Job, you're, you're sinning against God, this is why this is happening to you, and Job's just sitting there like, I don't know what I did, so the worst thing we can do, guys, is give the advice when somebody's going through a test, the best thing we can do is pray for them, encourage them, saying, Hey, I'm here with you in the midst of it. Third point is this. Cling to God's word during the tests. Guys, that's why reading the Bible is so important. It's the past promises that help us through the present trials. We never read our Bible and figure out how God has been faithful to person after person after person after person after person. We're going to start to doubt if he's going to be faithful to us. There's going to be the enemy that's that's saying God has forgotten about you. God doesn't have your good in mind. Curse God. He doesn't want you anymore. But the Bible is the most important thing to cling to. God's revealed word. If you want to hear from God and you're having a hard time doing it, pick up the Bible. It's his revealed word to humanity. Here's the last one. Cling to God's revelation. God is always trying to reveal more of himself to us in the midst of tests. And he's also trying to get us to reveal more of ourselves and who we are. He's he's trying to conform us into the image of his son. And every time we go through a trust, there's going to be more revelation of who God is to us. Expect that. Don't Don't have this mindset where, like, I've been in church my whole life. I've got it all figured out. I don't need to hear from God anymore. I've done that a very dangerous place to be in. Expect more and more revelation from God as you continue to be obedient to his voice. As Ross comes back up, he's going to lead us in a song in a second. Like I talked about at the beginning, guys, if you've never 
placed your faith in Jesus, surrendered your life to him, been made new, then you're not going to hear from him. You might hear from him here or there, but it's not going to be this clear voice, constant, that I'm here and I love you. But God is here and he loves you and he sacrificed his only son on the cross so that we could have life eternal forever. Joy, uh, a life filled with joy, abundant life. And the cool thing is, guys, when we, when we know Jesus through the tests, non-Christians get tested too. And they're going to look at us and they're going to say, why are you okay right now? You're crazy for stepping out in faith like that. This doesn't make any sense. And you get to say, the Lord will provide. God is faithful. He's going to come through for us. And then when they see that actually happen, they're going to be like, wow, I want some of that. I don't have that hope. Maybe today God's calling you to step out in faith and plug yourself in and be a covenant member of this community. Maybe he's asking you to start a relationship for the first time. Maybe you just need prayer for some big test that's been happening in your life. As we sing, after I pray, come down to the front. I'd love to pray for you. Let's pray.